In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. In studio with us today, we have a couple of gentlemen who are going to help us explore the literary scene in Oklahoma City, which we haven't gotten to do much on any of our episodes, so this is going to be kind of a treat for us. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourselves, fellas. Uh, I'm Gabriel Galeer, and uh, I've been studying music composition for a while. I call myself a composer, I suppose. And uh, I've always enjoyed the intersection of different kinds of art. So with my buddy here, we... Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't practice this ahead. No, yeah, apologize. we should have done that. <laughs> my name is Charles Martin. I am the creative director of Literati Press. I'm a novelist. I am also the building manager of the Paseo Plunge. And together, Gabriel and I have started a podcast called Adventures in Stereo, where we're doing audio... Um, musical audiobooks. We haven't really figured out how to quite tag it because it's such a weird, probably bad idea, but usually the best idea is <laughs> Yeah, and because ideas. of that, we've got a first in the studio right now. We have a keyboard set up in here oh, <laughs> that no. I think Gabe might be jumping on in just a little bit. We if have properly bribed. If, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's we some do. Topo Chico here. Oh, some Topo right. Chico. <laughs> Courtesy a la the ladies from The Bubble. The Bubble. Thanks, The Bubble. Yeah, you should you should sponsor them, Topo Chico. Yeah, Topo Chico, get on that because they're gonna <laughs> ultimately result in some piano music. So. That's right. Yeah. If we ne- mention their name three more times, I think they're legally obligated. Uh huh. Topo Chico. You can write. You can write them a jingle right now. We'll do a Topo Chico jingle. You know, I like I accept that challenge. Theoretically, you know, maybe later. So the idea of what we're doing is we're trying to make. Literature more accessible on a ba- on a basic level, and uh, audiobooks are very approachable. Uh, the problem that reading has as uh, entry level art is that it's a very active medium. You can't just sit back and absorb as you can with music and movies uh, because you have to work at reading. It's just you know your mind has to engage in the story, but that's also part of why it's so rewarding. Your mind just fully goes in. Your imagination is completely engaged. Um, so this audio ebooks are audio musical audio books, whatever we end up finally calling adventures <laughs> in stereo. I like the adventures in stereo. That's, that's yeah. really cool. But that idea is they're very short five minute chapters in the kind of dime novel style. Um, uh, so they're very low, low impact. You can just kind of come in, just listen to one real quick, or you can just throw them all on a playlist and just dive through. And it's your it's a way to kind of ease you into uh, into engaging in literature in a way that's very, very, very easy, very uh, non-committal, and and I think you know I have to just say that I, I love the aspect of it's it's as non-committal as like a television show or you know the radio, but right. it, it still engages your imagination a little bit because yeah. you've got this musical score behind it to sort of give you some emotional context. For things, but and you're doing them in these little five minute segments, so mm-hmm. that's a cool idea. Because if you were to listen to an audio book, you know that's that's a commitment in and of itself. Yeah. You know those things can yeah. be right. twenty hours long. You yeah. know this, you can get some literature in just a small amount of time. I think the uh, what we like about the five minute thing is that you can listen to one on your way to the grocery store, exactly, or yeah. you could listen to all eight episodes of the story. You know, on your way to, to Kansas. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. are these stories? completely unique for this medium or this isn't like you have this novel and you're just taking little bits out and um, put music to it or like uh, the, the majority original? of them are going to be completely original for adventures in stereo but we are going to um adapt for sure at some point another book um novella that i wrote that was also written as a serialized thing oh, okay uh called uh the town where all things are possible but everything else you know that's something that we're planning on doing down the road uh but for Right now, everything that we're doing is written specifically for this project. And in fact, we usually start every idea with Gabriel giving me a tone idea. 
for instance, one time he said, I'm, I'm thinking something that sounds like gold. So I wrote a story based around that idea called spinning gold. Um, and then the one that we just, we're still working on, uh, this one actually came in a conversation. <laughs> we, we both work at the same restaurant and this family, um, of, uh, just, they're really well-to-do family. And it was just three little girls who were just dressed to the nines mm-hmm. and they <laughs> just kind of, yeah, yeah, they just walked into it and just like, I just saw them walking through the hallway and just. Gabriel and I just started talking about where their lives were going to lead. They just looked like (laughs) Disney characters. (laughs) So we ended up doing this story uh, called A Girl Named Winter uh, that it was kind of more of kind of a Disney styled story, which isn't really my jam. But uh, it was fun to just be like, okay, I'm going to explore this format and see where it goes. It's so much fun. That's cool. So much fun. Yeah. I like that idea, though, too. Like you're working in the restaurant and you see people and that seems like how a writer's mind often works or a creative person's mind often works is you see people and you start making up stories in your head about what this person's life was possibly like or mm-hmm. that's definitely how Charles's going. mind works. Like that's all, like half of our conversations are that. And just to interject <laughs> some nerd nerdiness here. That's one of the things when Star Wars was first being talked about coming back, the the thing that sold J.J. Abrams on the whole thing was he sat down with Kathleen Kennedy and she just said to him, where is Luke Skywalker? Mm-hmm. And he was like, that little question just immediately sparked his imagination of thinking, where did this person come from? Where did they go? Like, what's happened since? So mm-hmm. like, to see those girls and immediately going, okay, where are they going to be next week? And right. what is what, what are they going to look like in high school? Yeah. And how are their careers yeah. going to... That's, what is a home like? How, how, yeah. It's, yeah. That one little well, spark. And that's, that's the real fun thing about being a writer um, in general, especially whenever you're working within uh, this kind of format where the larger the production gets, like once you started getting into movies and things like that, where there's so many more moving parts. And if you're talking about licensing, you're kind of a little bit more constricted. But whenever you're just writing a story and you have a composer that's putting music over it, um, there's no limits. You're, you're God. You get to be God for a little bit of time. Like yeah. everything in the world adjusts to your whim and you want this to exist. You, you have to figure out how to make it plausible, but outside of that, everything else is up to you. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons Charles and I work so well together is because he has a very fantastical imagination about right. things. It's sort of like Disney, but I would say more like PG 13 Disney where <laughs> it's just sort of, it's just out there and it's fun and it's not quite science fiction and it's not quite fantasy, but it's not quite reality. Um, and as sort of, I, I love the sort of the old style Hollywood scores, like that right. big fan, again, that sort of romantic, the Williams, the James Horner, Alan mm-hmm. Silvestri, just the sort of fun and a little over the top almost. And that's been a fun collaboration. I think that our artistic sensibilities intersect really well there. Yeah. It was whenever we first started talking, um, whenever he started first working in the place that I work, uh, we were talking about music that he likes, um, and music that I like. And he told me that Copeland was like a huge influence on him. And I was like, huh, how can I utilize that? How can I steal your soul? And inject <laughs> it <into my> heart? <laughs> how can I put your talent to work for me? Yeah. What is, what is that quote? Great or good artists borrow great artists, steal, steal. other artists souls and inject <laughs> steal them. Their their soul. Soul. Yeah, that's definitely the quote. Like that. yeah. when, <laughs> when you said Copeland, did you mean Stuart Copeland? Correct. <laughs> okay. Like as in the police. <laughs> yeah. well, the irony is the original quote is actually from Aaron Copeland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, now the, uh, the long, the long uh, goal for this is um, we have this. W- w- this is actually when when we do uh, do the little performance that we're going to try and do for the live for the first time. Yeah, this is going to be first fantastic. time here that we'll try and do it in a live uh, like aspect. Um, is Orphan and a Dying Lark, which is the first thing that we had kind of conceived of in this idea. And this is pre-podcast before we even pre- thought of a podcast. Okay. Yeah. And what it's going to be is an hour long performance with a chamber quartet. I oh. believe it's oh, called trio, or, maybe or quartet maybe trio. It's flexible. Um, which is a three act, three scenes per act story called Orphan and Dying Lark um, set in early, you know, turn of the century, 18th and 19th century, uh, New York. Uh, Copeland was the tonal cue for this original story. Right. Okay. So it sort of travels from turn of the century New York to uh, sort of the early to mid 20th century 
Plains America, sort of evoking all of that, you know, Billy the Kid and Rodeo and, and all those just wonderful, big, open sounds of Copeland that I just have fallen in love with since I was a kid. Yeah, and the fun thing about doing an idea like this is um, whenever, on my side, whenever I'm riding, I'm riding very much with the music in mind where I know the okay. kind of thing that he does. So I'm riding to adjust to him rather than just doing the thing that I do. Right. This is the writing that I do and I'm doing that versus like with this story, this is a story I wouldn't have written otherwise, but like having, you know, the knowing what he's capable of doing and I'm trying to move into his strike zone and still be able to express myself in the way that I do and then the, the kind of themes that I generally go back to. So but, which comes first, the the musical piece or the literature piece? Like which one is produced first? Technically speaking, the story comes first. The story comes first. Usually we have sort of a, some sort of nugget of inspiration, whether it's a tonal cue or maybe mm -hmm. the, the little girls walking down the hallway. Or I was saying, I just wanted to write. I was in the middle of a time where I was trying to write this really heady kind of intellectual music. And I was just kind of getting my brain exhausted. I mm -hmm. just offhand mentioned something like, I just want to do something easy and fun and really in my wheelhouse that I don't have to think that much about and just do for right. fun. And that was sort of the birth of this original little project that has now been uh, like, I think a year at least in process and at least yeah. another year before we're going to really oh, wow. get that off the yeah. ground. <laughs> Being able to afford a chamber trio or quartet <laughs> so we can actually pay them is kind of the, right. kind of the trick, but also the podcast that'll give us enough time that hopefully we can get enough of a following with the podcast that people already know what we're doing. So mm -hmm. we don't have this amorphic kind of musical audio book that we don't really know what we're calling it yet. By that point, people are like, oh, it's an adventures in stereo thing, but it's like an hour long and I can watch it happen live. And it's live. It's yeah. awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually after that, it's going to be an operetta, but that's... Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody... Who can tell us no? Right? No, you're right. No, we talked right. about a ballet, but we're like, you're oh, we'll just keep it at opera. <laughs> <No. laughs> keep it, it low-key, you know. Well, let, me, right. let, me, let us know when you want to go ballet. We know some people over there. Might yep. be right, to yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I managed this building in the Paseo called the Paseo Plunge, and they... Uh, What's the elevator pitch for that, by the way? Or The Paseo Plunge? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah oh. Explain to people what building that is in Paseo. Okay. Yeah, because everybody I've heard about it, but I still don't know which one it is. So the Paseo Plunge is this old swimming pool built in the 30s. Uh, it was a public swimming pool. And uh, it was closed multiple times because of polio epidemics and all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff that happened because it was the 20th century. Um, super safe now, we promise. And just to give people <laughs> an idea, this is the this is that building in Paseo where, like, if you're sitting out in front of Picasso's right, and you right look across. across the street and it has that balcony, this yeah. is that's the Paseo it's Plunge the big, building. Yeah, it's the biggest building in the Paseo. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I know, maybe the apartment complex is a little bit bigger, but it's it's definitely the tallest. And yeah, and, most people and, don't realize that. Yeah, that yeah. used to be a public swimming pool. Yeah, a long and also used to be a spaghetti factory. Yeah. All kinds of pizza. Things. Yeah, and they made frozen pizzas in there. Yeah, and it's um, so. The swimming pool eventually first was open air, then they put a roof over it. Um, and you can tell as you go into the building that this is, has been many things that they've built on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's been shuttered for quite a while. Um, but uh, John Belt, who owned a good deal of the Paseo, mm. uh, he passed away, but he wanted to have this building done. This was, he wanted this to be the crown jewel of the Paseo. His uh, wife, uh, Joy has decided that, you know, she wants to get this done. So her and I, I've known her for a while and I've, I've done a few things in the, in the plunge before we shot a horror movie there. We've done oh, a really? few things. Yeah. That was and fun. yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> she, he actually scored that. Nice. And then, um, we just started talking about the future of it. And, um, I just told her that if she needed any help, let me know. And eventually that eventually turned in me being the building manager so we're wanting to turn it into a multi-use art space. Um, there's a bookstore going into it right now. Mm -hmm. We have the Exchange Gallery, which is a gallery space in the back that we uh, bring in collections from different galleries for or private collections that wouldn't otherwise get a good Oklahoma City audience. So that's what the Exchange Gallery is. And eventually a coffee shop is going in. We have... Oh, in, really? Yeah, that that's... So we're going to have a local coffee shop, bookshop combo with art. Yeah. All right in the, in, the in the Paseo. In the Paseo. Thank kind you. Of, kind of makes you wonder why it's not already there. Yeah, right. That's why. It was waiting for you. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it, takes, it takes money to do these things. And unfortunately, I um, 
I don't have the money to do that, but fortunately Joy does and she's got the motivation to get it done. It is, I, it definitely seems, um, very, why it hasn't this happened until you actually get nuts and bolts of it. And you're like, Oh, that's why. why. Um, but so we'll have art studios on two floors. We'll have the, the coffee shop, we'll have the gallery and then we'll have the bookstore, a few other things that we're hoping that get thrown into the mix as well. Uh, we're looking at by the end of the year, we should have the whole first floor done. I'm crossing my fingers right now. Uh, the coffee shop is just a matter of just how soon we can get that right. done. Cause we can't do that soon enough, right. but there's so many licensing, zoning, all that kind of stuff that goes into it. So it's just, none of this stuff is simple, especially when you're sure. dealing with a building that old, because it's, you know, almost a hundred year old. Building. That'll be absolutely awesome to have a coffee shop in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's nice for us because, uh, Literati, uh, which is the publishing company that I, uh, run, will finally have a physical footprint, but the bookshop bookstore itself is going to be, um, community curated. So it's going to be a traditional bookshop, uh, not huge, but it'll be, um, every book on there has to be vetted by somebody within the writing and reading community. So we don't just bring in books because they sell well. We bring in books because there are people who believe these books need to be read. Yeah, it's actually oh, curated. Cool. It's not just mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Um, so whenever you come into it, because I like going into used bookstores and massive bookstores <laughs> where you're just like, I've got no agenda. I'm just going to wander around until mm-hmm. something calls to me. Um, but I also like going to uh, the smaller boutique shops where the person behind the counter knows everything in there. And you just go to them and you say, this is what I like and they can point you right in the right direction. Also, you, with every book, it's going to be a little bookmark um, that will have a quote from somebody within the community, the one who vetted it, saying why this book needs to be read, and you can just open it up, and if it sounds like your jam, you take it home, and they have several other books that they've recommended, so if you like it, you come back and you find the other ones recommended by that person. And it's the kind of idea that I think is awesome and I would have loved to have supported it if it existed. And now I'm like, because nice. you know, of this plunge building that we have that opportunity to put something like this, that may be a terrible business idea, but as a <laughs> cultural idea, well, my favorite thing about it is like going into old record shops or music shop, you know, my favorite thing was always the, like, here's the shelf of what the employees recommend. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you can walk up to that and maybe it's like, a CD or something you'd never look at twice, but it's like, but I know this person. And if they're saying oh it's God. good enough, yeah, it must right. be. maybe must I need be. to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. I like that your whole story yeah, is so going to be whole story is going to be like that. It's an interactive element to shopping for books and getting to know people in your community who mm-hmm. maybe you haven't met in person yet. It would be cool to read a book that somebody in the community had placed in there. And then you just meet them randomly and you go, yeah, Oh my God, you're the person who put that book in the bookstore that I yeah. read. And then all of a sudden you have a connection have with a stranger. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, something else I would like to see in that bookstore. And I've only seen a photo of this. I don't know if it exists anywhere in the United States. I think it was in some bookstore in Europe, but it was a massive vending machine. And you just put, I guess, our equivalent of like a couple of bucks mm-hmm. in this vending machine and just pull a knob. And it spits out a book. Yeah. You don't know what the book's going to be. That is awesome. Yeah. There's a, um, <laughs> they've got something a little bit like that in uh, City Art Center where it's art. But yeah, that, that kind of stuff is, those kind of ideas are really neat. There I, is finding an old bidding machine like that would be the trick. Yeah. Doesn't Full Circle Bookstore have a, I think it's that bookstore where they have books that are wrapped in white paper and then uh-huh. you can just go and, wow. and pick a book and it's that same That's pretty fun. Book in a brown bag. And you yeah. Just, it's like, Oh, five bucks, and who knows what you're going to get. Right. I saw the picture of that vending machine, and just knowing that that thing was filled with books you've never heard of and you can't see, just the action of pulling that knob, and it just, yeah. what's going to come out? It's kind of it's like a casino. <laughs> <laughs> a casino for reading. One other thing that I'm hoping we can, um, we'll figure out, well, I mean, this is already part of the business plan, so we're going to try it at least, is uh, people who buy the books whenever they return it, uh, if it's still in good shape, they can actually... Uh, get like a partial refund for mm-hmm. the book and they just have to write what they thought of it in their name in it when they read it. And the, the hope is eventually the book comes back enough. You know, if somebody keeps it, it's great. But if the book keeps coming back, you've just got this lineage of all the nice. readers yeah. and what they've thought of it, which 
I think it's that is really awesome. cool. I love I love picking out li- library books and taking so, it home, and then you just you see all these little notes in the spine. And this almost just, seems like it's more of a small. Like what do they call those small public library the boxes? Little library. Little library. Yeah, I was thinking about but those sort of we crowdfunded talking. kind mm-hmm. of because if people are paying for them yeah. and then returning them, yeah. like that's really interesting. Well, and and part of what's important for us for this is to try as much as we can uh, buy these books new because mm-hmm. I, I've run a publishing company for uh, six years now, and it's hard to get like you. S- we see our books more often secondhand than we see them, you know, firsthand. And that's good because that means that, you know, our books are circulating through the system and that's, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, but you know, these are, a lot of these people are not major publisher artists. I, a lot of the, a lot of the authors will be, but sometimes just getting your book news somewhere. So they'll getting at least a little bit of the piece of the action. And, and some of these books are actually been out of print. So trying to find those, those copies are going to be a little bit of a problem. We have one specific one that we're working on now that I have no idea. We're going to, I even looked to find used copies of it. And it's a fantastic book, but the author who wrote it, he stopped printing a couple years ago and there's no copies anywhere. So just, I've got this used copy that I borrowed from my friend, and I know she's not going to give it up. So yeah. <laughs> we're looking at possibly looking at trying to find some deal where maybe we can republish something for a limited run just for the bookshop. Just for the just, bookshop, just, yeah. just to get it back into circulation, but I don't know. These are all the little weird things that sound really great in theory until you get your hands <laughs> into it, and you're like, oh, no, this is too much trouble. But you never know until you try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me – I know probably the least in, the, in this room about literati. Like tell me – Talk, talk about that. We're a subculture publishing company. We do comics and fiction. Uh, we we lean towards progressive and cerebral storytelling. We've done a number what of What does that mean? Uh, so, uh, heady ideas. Um, we, we do pop culture, but aimed at people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s okay. that have had a good deal of life experience, a lot of scars, and are looking for writing that has a bit more substance to it. So, for instance, our our premier title right now is Heathen. It's the one that's kind of breaking out. It just has a life of its own. We just signed a deal with a major distributing company. It's in countries all across the world. Uh, it's just really gone nuts. Um, but it's a bit. It's about a, a woman who gets thrown out of. It's a, about a Viking woman who gets thrown out of her clan for kissing another woman, and she is furious. Uh, about this, just the in- inequity of it. So deci- decides to take on the Norse gods to j- completely <laughs> wow. destroy the the you know the landscape and rebuild a society that's more just. And it's by it's done by uh, Natasha Altarisi, who is just this fantastic artist out of Tulsa, who also wrote this thing. And I was amazed at how I knew how good an artist she was. She was trained in the fine arts, really, really good. Just does this really dynamic, sketchy style. But whenever I started reading her scripts, it blew me out of the water. I, they're just, that is not a skill that you see many artists and right. writers where they can do both on an equal level. And she wrote the right comic at the right time. Is this that right. graphic novel that you had on display yeah. at the plunge on yeah. the first Friday? Yeah, it, it is definitely of the moment. And it's, mm-hmm. um, and it's the kind of thing that, Although there is an LGBT bent to it, um, it is very approachable for all readers right. um, across political, uh, gender, you know, socioeconomic levels. Like it, it, it is tapped into markets just all across, and because of that, we have um, just a just yeah, just little hubs of fans just popping up globally, and it's globally. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really stressful. <laughs> it's really stressful. It's such a terrible thing Success to do. Success is stressful. It is like you know I've been writing all my life with that idea that eventually like you know I would write something that would have that kind of resonance. But and then I started the publishing company. It's like well maybe I'll be the one who writes it, but maybe somebody else will be, and I can give them a format and work towards that. And then after you know years and years and years of doing this, you have a title. Do it, and then you just there's a lot of work that comes into it. Just keeping track of that when something's got that much momentum Uh. and there's a reason because it really is a fantastic title, but just trying to keep up with it is just every single day. There's just emails 
you know, and you're dealing with that and it's great. It's an awesome problem to have, but it's way more stressful than I thought it would be. <laughs> Success, you know? Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll actually start turning a profit one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice. But it, it's been, it's been great. Um, and, and speaking of the plunge, we have a book release party. At, I don't know when this is coming out. That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> so so um, it would be a week from tomorrow. A okay. week from tomorrow. So it'll be out. It'll be past that. But we, one of the new books that we have coming out is uh, by Kristen Grace and Natasha. And this one is actually a really cool book. It's about a uh, Kristen has her daughter has a stepmother who's really great. And so Kristen wanted to buy her a fairy tale, um, a traditional fairy tale that had a stepmother that was portrayed well as a good stepmother rather than an evil right. stepmother. And she couldn't find one. So she decided, I guess I'm going to have to write right. one. And Kristen's this fantastic writer that's been working with us for years and years and years. Well, not years and years and years, a couple of years. Um, and she's just really good at what she does. Uh, she told me this idea and I was like, just write it and we'll see what comes out. We had been talking about doing a short story collection. And then she produced this story called uh, The Stepmother Who Dreamed of Feathers. And it was so amazing. I would, yeah, it just chills. So I was like, okay, we need to get this out immediately. Uh, we need to get it illustrated. And her and Natasha are best buddies. So we worked out a deal so that she would illustrate it. And we got it and just came out. Uh, and so we have copies of the plunge. It's going to be in stores across Oklahoma. Cool. The stepmother who dreamed of feathers. Yeah. And that's a cool title. So we have that one and we have, uh, Don Rosencrantz just put out Doc Crimson, which is a series, um, kind of, it's about this evil genius who adores his daughter, but is absolutely a psychopath. Otherwise that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> and that's coming out. That came out as a print comic. And then I have this serialized superhero novel that I'm putting out as print that's coming out. We're doing one a month. Busy, busy times. Yeah, that's busy exciting. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this stuff will be available at the the Plunge book, Bookstore when it's open. Yeah, and it's actually still it's already open. Um, it's just a small version of what's eventually going to be. We're going to build it out more and more. But if you come to the Plunge now, all those books are there, as oh. well as some of the other books that have been handpicked. The library, uh, our library is just going to get bigger and bigger right. as weeks go on, and we're hoping by first Friday of April that we'll have at least a good kind of mock-up with what the store is going to be. And then once the whole first floor is done, then we'll move the bookstore into its permanent space. Well, that is something that will be coming up then when this episode comes out is first Friday. Yeah. So, so there's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on down yeah. in Paseo on first Friday. There's a album release party for the Paseo streetwalkers at Sauced. Yeah. Just right down the street. So yeah. project box has a really cool show coming up. There's uh, and that's kind of the interesting thing about the Paseo right now, which is why I'm so excited to be there is uh, the Paseo is, this, it's been around forever. It was uh -huh. one of the first retail strips in the city and ha uh, quickly developed as an arts district. And it's had its ups and downs, but right now there is just an interest within the district to bring in as much young vital talent as possible. So you have the Project Box, you have 612 Creative. You Project have, Box, that's Lisa Allsweet's place. Correct, okay. yeah. Uh, bombs away, uh, and you have these spaces that are really trying to inject a lot of energy to um, just bring the Paseo into the next generation of artists. So uh, it is the Paseo is just going to get cooler and cooler. It and is. Cooler. It yeah. absolutely is. Yeah, it's really fun to be there, and and, and the, being in the plunge, being a part of it every day is so fun. You should. Uh, we were joking earlier about the ballet, but you should uh, tell them about the little dance video thing that we did with Maggie. Oh gosh! In the plunge. Yeah. Uh, my next door neighbor. It just happens to be this fantastic modern dancer. <laughs> really? Uh, she really good. She, yeah, she's really really good. Um, and her, Gabe, and I, uh, we decided to uh, to do this kind of improv performance inside the gallery where I took these little snippets from a journal when I went through this brutal breakup and I'm a writer. So of course it's just like all just ridiculous, Whoa! you know, whatever. <laughs> he but, won't quite own up to it being poetry. So I'm calling it prosetry. <laughs> prosetry. <laughs> so she, uh, she developed a, um, a dance to these little snippets of it and Gabe, um, improvised with her as she danced and we shot it inside the gallery and nice. released it as a YouTube. And it's kind of like an aspect of adventures in stereo. And it's just, 
it's another one of those examples of just and down the gallery with the art on the hallway. So yeah. there was like the music, there was the dancing, there was the art there, and there uh, was Charles's text. Yeah, it was it super was meta. And then we, had, <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of thing that nobody can tell us no. So we're just like, I right. oh, was just do it. And then the uh, owner of the building comes in later and is like, I think there's little kids that have been around here because they're just fingerprints everywhere. And I was like, Yeah, there's little kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I finally, I finally passed up. Anyway. Was, <laughs> was I, gotta be honest. <laughs> I had to repaint the walls. I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had to repaint the walls. There you I go. Given me a it pump. was worth it. It was worth it. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't really, too bad. Really we tried. Really I tried to clean it off and just make big smudges. It was terrible. Are you guys ready worse. to give us a taste of adventures? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. sure. We'll do it. We'll do it. This is still a new growing project for us. So please. And for what it's worth, this is essentially improvised. Uh, this is, you want to introduce the excerpt? Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier. Gabe's going to go sit at the piano here. Yeah, so you can't hear him anymore. Uh, this is The Orphan and the Dying Lark. And this is about a uh, child who loses its entire family during a uh, fire in a garment district in New York City at the turn of the century. Uh, you know. Well, turn of the century, New York, of which there were so many garment fires. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> it was <laughs> there really were, right? Yeah, early twentieth century, <laughs> not two thousand, but early nineteen hundred. Yeah, nineteen yeah. hundred. <laughs> and um, and at the point we're just doing a small excerpt of it. And at the time that we're picking up, he is working in a violin shop, um, and a woman comes in to commission this piece for and he just instantly falls in love with her uh she's a virtuoso so he's building a violin for a virtuoso who also tends he's a little bit of a looker so and yeah so we're just going to read that and it's awesome here we go all right well this is a exclusive premiere of uh adventures in stereo adventures in stereo new york city december 1927. Marjorie, Marjorie, Marjorie. Her name sounded with every gentle tap of the hammer in the sigh of the bending violin ribs and the groan of the tightening strings. It was six intense weeks. All other projects were put on hold. The old man returned to the workbench to take over minor repair jobs while other customers simply had to wait. As Sasha cradled the completed instrument in the crook of his neck, he felt her skin and the chin rest and the strings were her waiting lips. And when this violin sang, it bled. Sasha bundled his finest creation and embraved the winter night as snow drifted to the streets like falling heavens. A bitter wind swirled through the streets. Sasha hugged the violin case to his chest as a father held an infant. He tread the length of East Manhattan, passing the bustling socialites migrating to Times Square. He encountered musicians and artists accompanying opiate dealers as they paid house calls to the bored and privileged. He also saw his own weary people trudging back from a long workday in the garment district and wondered if any of them once knew his family. The townhouses of the Upper East Side revealed Sutton Place just as the chill was encroaching on Sasha's bones. An effeminate butler received the violin maker into the lush home and Sasha took great care to keep his wet shoes from soiling the gleaming wealth of Marjorie's life. His eyes fell on a Bechstein grand piano, the only black object in a room full of whites and golds. Curiosity won over his better senses, so Sasha slid off his soaked shoes and padded silently over the marble floors. With a violin case still snug against his chest, he lifted the piano lid to uncover the keys and leaned his ear down. He softly pressed the high F sharp, 
a note that always brought to mind the color of spring's first blade of grass. Marjorie announced her presence with a polite cough and motion for the violin. Their fingers touched briefly as the case changed hands. She clicked open the latches, slowly lifted the lid, and brought out the violin with a reverend delicacy. She admired the instrument, slowly rotating it, inspecting the varnish and the curvature of the bridge. She held it to her ear and plucked a string then worked the tuning pin to bring the note in. She plucked again, tuning until she found resonance. She struck once more and her breath caught. She quickly placed the violin inside the case, closed the lid, and stared at it in wonder. Her face flushed, her eyes misted. She remained silent as nerves twisted and coiled within Sasha. A wary grandfather clock ticked as Sasha could only only shuffle his feet. He watched Marjorie watching the violin case. She took in a heavy, uneven breath, then spoke low. You unlocked my chest and struck heart onto wood. Two months would pass before she could gather the courage to pick up the instrument again. After that, it would take all of her strength to put it back down. Fantastic. That was great. That was absolutely awesome. Well... And that's just a portion of that story? Yeah, that is, it's a, uh, it's nine parts, nine parts. So it's, whenever we perform it live, it'll be uh, about an hour. Is that a full scene? That was a full scene. That was a full scene. So yeah, three acts, three scenes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he wasn't, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so it's a huge dramatic arc, just big emotion, just being ridiculous. Being ridiculous artists because we can be ridiculous artists in this great state of Oklahoma. (laughs) Well, we don't actually do it for a living, so (laughs) (laughs) we can do whatever we want. It's incredibly freeing whenever you're poor. Right. (laughs) And now you've already got some of these um, recorded in In the bag. bag, So you go on Facebook, uh, search for Adventures in Stereo, and if you don't find the 90s, alt-rock band you'll find yeah. us um, <laughs> yep sorry right. yeah we they don't need the name anymore we that's found, funny um we didn't know yeah no i knew i didn't care oh all right. um and I then didn't. youtube uh you can find us on youtube we'll eventually have it on the website or on a standalone website but there was a little bit of snafu mm-hmm. with that uh but you can also go to literatipressok.com but most importantly you can okay. uh, subscribe on itunes and it should be available on google play music now if not, it will be probably by the time of broadcast. <laughs> so, was the, so has the first episode already been released? Yeah, we have okay. so for, so far three episodes of a girl named Winter, which is the, about the three little girls that um, are shipwrecked in Alaska with polar bears. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's awesome. It's Disney. Awesome. <laughs> it's not as violent as it sounds. We promise. <laughs> And then we also have Spinning Gold, uh, which is the story of a little girl who is able to create living beings out of gold she spins from her fingers. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do a lot of like female empowerment kind of stuff. That's great. We? Well. It's not that, intentional. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 the next one won't be quite as much, but we also are um, a lot of the talent within literati and that's kind of in our social circle are these super strong empowered women with super strong empowered daughters and it ends up you kind of end up just like reflecting that sure. as you're as you're writing you're like oh i wonder what harper and davy would do if they had a polar bear <laughs> that's kind of how that's pretty much the whole story <laughs> <laughs> the answer yeah. is awesome yeah it's, it's also awesome but um uh, we also have like other ideas that'll be kind of ranging. Uh, we're going to kind of, whenever we see a rabbit, we're just going to chase it wherever it goes. Nice. And, um, yeah. It, 
we want to make sure that the stories um, are rich and interesting. Um, we're not gonna we're gonna do our best not to pander, but I guess it happened. I think the idea was to keep the format really simple and easy to let the creativity flow yeah. as freely as possible. You know, not to have to get bogged down too many technical details. Right. Yeah. I wrote a story. I'm reading it into a microphone, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm producing the music. You know, on the computer, so it will yeah. be a synthesized, orchestrated score. Okay. But I'm still playing it in through the piano, so it's like the 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 fewest obstacles between us and the end product, mm -hmm. and that's giving us a lot of freedom to be able to really try different creative areas, as well as the brevity of the actual episodes. Sort of like, oh, we tried that. That did not work out. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try something else next time. Yeah. You know, and see what, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Well, and we're both still trying to grow uh, creatively. And that's one of the aspects of this is it's forced me to write in a way that I normally wouldn't write mm -hmm. and forcing Gabriel to explore new things as a composer. So that is absolutely true. Also, um, you know, it, he'll say, well, I don't know much about this area of music, but I would like to explore that a little bit. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to try and you know write what you this. would be fun to do would be to pull off like a, a, a radio show at some point in time, too. We are going to, oh, okay, as a matter cool. of fact. Yeah, <laughs> it's a matter of when. This. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is definitely something that we're going to try and do, like a full-on radio show. There's one out of Austin. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's like a space opera kind of thing. But that's what they do really? with oh, like, yeah. they do like the sound called? effects, yeah. uh, sound yeah, effects yeah. and everything. And um, they do it. they do it as a live reading. Um, and it's really awesome, but yeah, we, Which we had is talked terrifying and exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and we, so we had talked about doing something like that as well. I think once we get the nuts and bolts really together and we're starting to really get a handle on that kind of thing mm -hmm. now, yeah. uh, starting honestly, starting from scratch and with, you know, so I think that is definitely, we're looking yeah. the to more, do that. Yeah. The more moving parts you have, the harder it is. So the sure. more we have this just locked down, mm -hmm. the more we can start exploring and bringing in more people we've already talked about other instrumentalists. Uh, we're working with different narrators. We, uh, David Souza and Troy Anthony Small are the ones who are the first narrators. I haven't actually narrated anything yet. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, you, so you, you can have to bring in guest narrators then. Guest, nar guest narrators. And we might bring in a guest writer from time to time Very as well. Very cool. Um, we'll just have to see how it Very goes. Qualified well, that's a, that would Very qualified Very qualified, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But to have... Uh, yeah, a piece that maybe you've written to, to be part of Adventures in Stereo. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a cool interactive audience thing, yeah. possibly, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, and it, it's we don't want to get inundated with that. So sure. it's definitely uh, something that, but maybe somewhere down maybe the Maybe by invite or something like yeah. that. Yeah. If you will pay us $10,000, <laughs> we will narrate your story. Because <laughs> we could use $10,000. Yeah. It's so bad, you have no each. idea. Each. Yeah. Each. Each. <laughs> I it's just to wake up in the morning, really. <laughs> so, anyways, but we do. I think the possibility for collaboration and expansion right. is part of the beauty of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. keep and it I, open enough. I, there's this sort of as for me as a composer, there's this general idea that we're sort of locked away in our towers and we've got the hair flying and you know scribbling <laughs> notes down and everything. It's like I don't I don't work like that. I I actually get very, mad genius style. Right, like I'm not I'm not a mad genius. I I like people. <laughs> I I get energized off of collaborating with people. Right. So, you know, I lock myself in the studio and after like half an hour, I'm like, well, I guess we'll go get some more coffee. Uh, <laughs> I got one page done. <laughs> so, uh, that sounds like the real creative process right there. Actually, that's, that's <laughs> slow and painful. And it's true. It's true. But I think sort of popularizing or at least breaking out of that mold of, of having to do stuff completely in isolation or, or the idea mm, that you have to right. do that. It's like, it's just, it's silly and it's not conducive to good art, at least not for everyone. Well, and that's part of the reason literati exists. That's part of the big part of the reason that we started that, which kind of had, has borne all these other things is creativity. Although I do most of my writing on my own, being around other creative people who are doing creative things is incredibly energizing. So mm -hmm. everything we, we can do to try and get those people who are actively pursuing their career just in the same room for even just a little bit yeah, to absolutely. talk about what they're doing, it keeps you it keeps you right. moving. It's so inspiring to be around the literati crew, yeah. even though we don't do any of the same things. Yeah. That's <laughs> like just the That's just great, the creative though. and intellectual yeah. energy we, is fantastic. Yeah, we do a brunch at my house and whenever we, we do the that, address gonna, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have we'll have composers, musicians, singers, artists, sculptors, 
Um, and all those people should be talking. Yeah. And yeah, sharing ideas. Yeah. yeah. And even if like nothing like, and we've had a lot of collaborations come of it, but even if no collab- collaborations come of it, it's just, it's like, this is a time that we're not trying to sell anything to anyone. We're not, we're not there representing our art. We're there just talk about, this is what my life is about right now. This is what your life's about right now. These are these interesting ideas that I can't do anything with, but maybe you can. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a creativity what, incubator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, let's go out and vote. Who is it? You know, the, uh, well, <laughs> all those kind of <laughs> things. You know, Kristen, the college, or uh, I forget, someone recently called Charles the Gertrude Stein of Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> He's blushing. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me I was, I've been called the same. Uh, St. Charles of the Plunge recently. That's like the new <laughs> St. Charles of the Plunge. I like it. I don't know what that means. I like I don't it. Know what it means. But that requires cool some title. kind of fancy robe and a right. Crown. I think I have to bleed for my wrist. Yeah, there you go. Which is fine. Like it wouldn't be the first. Oh, time Charles got the wrist. stigmata again. Right. Oh God, he's gonna lord it over everyone. Get him a towel. <laughs> now, speaking of live performances, like what you guys just did, um, do you foresee any kind of open mic style nights happening at the plunge? Well, uh, we have to wait till we're zoned for that kind of thing. Uh, we can't have, uh, events at our place. We can do like, you know, art walks cause people are coming and going, but we have to make sure we don't run afoul of the law. Um, at some point, once we get zoned for assembly, uh, that then we'll start looking to do those kind of things. And a bookstore without any kind of live reading element is really dumb. Yeah. So um, eventually we'll want to do that, but we've got to wait till um, we have those ducks in a row somewhere down the road. And that, that'll be the beauty of having this massive building um, that we can do a lot of things with is we've got room to do whatever we want to do. Um, and it's just a matter of just making sure that we can legally do it. Uh, there's a um, we're looking down the road of having a live theater upstairs as well. So there's like all these ideas. But yeah, there was a rumor at one point in time that Shakespeare in the Park was going to be. Well, I'm moving there. It would be nice. It would be nice. Um, uh, there's a lot of obstacles in building something that ambitious. Yeah, and that's that's a that's not something that we necessarily have control of. But it would be. But that idea wonderful. is not shelved. It's no, not. No, they okay. do have offices there in the yeah. museum. And it would be, yeah, yeah. And it would be wonderful to be able to do like a full stage, yeah. Elizabethan Globe Theater stage up there. But, um, mm. you know, that is not my job. Right. Um, I don't know <laughs> what obstacles they have, but that's a lot of money and a lot of. You know, because it's not just the stage. You've got the audience and all that. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a theater back over there because at one point in time, you know, Ghostlight was over there. Yeah, (laughs) it would it would be, and it. But you know, those are talks that I'm not involved in, so I can't really speak for what's happening and what's not what's not happening. I would love to have Oklahoma Shakespeare in the park, or you know, and I would love to have all of the neighbors that we will eventually have have inside that Shakespeare in the plunge instead of the Shakespeare. Shakespeare Well, now it has to happen. All right. (laughs) There you go. It's done. I'm going to make it happen. Shakespeare in the plunge. So if there are any, any well-to-do people, patrons that are listening to this that also agree, get out your checkbooks. I'm just going (laughs) to knock on all the doors in Heritage Hills. (laughs) Maybe Nicholas be like, Hey, that's how you do it. Oh, Never Why, thought of didn't that. Didn't I think of this before? <laughs> cold, cold calling rich people. So what, what's the best way for people to keep up with all of this stuff? Uh, literatipressok.com. Um, find us on Facebook under Literati Press, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Adventures in Stereo has their footprint on Facebook and uh, eventually we'll have our own standalone website. But And we'll, you can subscribe to Adventures in Stereo on iTunes right now? Yes, and Google Play Music. Yeah. Okay. So that that's easy. Just click it one time and then, you know, yeah. it's a podcast. And assuming you live in the Oklahoma City area, just come in to the plunge during our whenever we're open, um, which is until six, uh, 11 to 6 on Thursday through Saturday, uh, 11 to 2 on Monday and Tuesday. Once the coffee shop comes in, those hours uh-huh. will extend. And you can just ask us about it anytime and look at our fine selection. Of and of course, the well, first Friday coming up too, you can always stop first, in there as well. Oh yeah. First, first Friday is so fun. Uh, of course, all the art walks are fun in Oklahoma city, like Plaza film row. Mm-hmm. All of them are so great. Uh, the Paseo has been going on f- since, you know, God Dawn was a man, child. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 and it's just, yeah, it's a good time. So if you haven't been to an art walk, the Paseo is a good one to go to and come in and say hello. 
Which is exactly how I finally met you for the first time. Yeah, even though we went to college together. <laughs> yeah. Like we were Facebook friends for years and I was like, I'm aware that this is a I guy. know you exist. I just never seen you <laughs> yeah. in the flesh. And then I like, yeah, then I saw you doing like performances in your backyard and stuff. I was like, how are we not friends? I, I makes don't no know. Sense. Makes well, no sense. Sherry Guys has told me for quite a while, you need to go to Charles Martin's house. Sherry Guys. Yeah. Man, if you don't know Sherry Guys, you need to live You need here. to fix that. Yeah. Yeah, You're doing Oklahoma City wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of she's one of the uh the brunch members that comes and mm -hmm. she's always so fun. Her little son always comes up and hugs me. I'm like, oh we're hugging. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If yeah. she's not it's, enough of a draw for you to come to brunch, then I mean you yeah. don't need to be there. Yeah, you don't need to be there. We don't need you. We don't need <laughs> Well, thank you guys for coming on. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. It was a real pleasure. And I look forward to drinking this fine selection of, uh, of Topo, Topo Chico's. Topo Chico's. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor the bubble. <laughs> thank you, Topo Chico and the bubble. <laughs> Eventually, they'll do it just to have a just shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. All right. We look thank forward to hearing more from you guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Man. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. I'll be free. Yes.